Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Bite Size Podcast. I'm your host Clayton at Clates AFC on Twitter and I'm joined by my co-host Nima at FPL Nima and we're here to review the big one. We won 3-1 against Liverpool and we actually celebrated and we're getting fucking annihilated for it. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I'm so buzzing for this, man. Um, obviously, a little bit disappointed um, City beat Brentford last night, but I think oh, it would have been it. optimistic. Yeah, it would have been optimistic to expect their strongest team everyone fully fit to not win but i'm celebrating this win it's massive for us um i think it was just the domination we showed um, i was very happy to see like there was very few moments that i felt scared apart from the start of the second half briefly but yeah i even watched it out in a pub with some friends and okay nice Fair yeah, normally i'd be too scared to go out and watch a game like arsenal liverpool um are your friends arsenal fans or yeah i was with some gooners okay. we tried to invite a liverpool friend and um he ghosted us now we know why <laughs> Sounds like he was scared going into it. Yeah, it's interesting, like the kind of narratives doing the rounds, right? Like I um so obviously we spoke about it on the preview, right? And I think we were both a little bit like 50-50. I think we, we both predicted wins, but I wouldn't say either of us were like gung-ho, like, yeah, we're a hundred percent gonna win. But obviously I was fortunate and fortunate enough to be there, right? And like that's I think that's my favorite match this season in terms of atmosphere and just the vibes around the ground and just in general, like if I can kind of set the scene for people that weren't there, like, so it was 4.30pm kickoff in the UK, right? And I got there early doors. I met my mate for breakfast, went to a cafe on the on Holloway Road. I think we met at around half 10, 11 or something. So like full English down your stomach, like you've, you've lined it, you're you're ready for, the, you've, you've like lined your stomach, ready for the pints and everything. And you could just feel there was like a, a nervousness in the air. And I think there was this whole narrative around, well, it wasn't a narrative. I tended to agree with it. I think we both said it. If we lost it, the title was done, right? And I think mm. you could kind of feel that nervousness in the air as you were walking around. And then fry-ups in, settled. And you go to the pub, you're having a few drinks. We caught the end of like Middlesbrough against Sunderland. Then Man United, uh, who were Man United playing West Ham? And then like you're kind of easing the nerves, a few drinks. And as the chat is going around, I think people are like growing in confidence. And I don't know if it's like the alcohol talking, but there was definitely a correlation with like people's confidence compared to the amount of pints they were sinking and stuff. And as it was getting nearer and nearer to like an hour before and lineups being announced, I think the general theme around my circles of people I was hanging around with was I don't see us losing today. And I think it was just a case of like, it's our home. And I think people have forgotten how good we can be as we shown on Sunday and like, we'll get into it, but just that honestly, I'm struggling to put it into words, the feelings of that day in terms of like going for breakfast, having a few drinks in the pub before, going into block six in the North Bank before the game. Because that's where like every if you see videos doing the rounds on TikTok and like we've sometimes posted a few of it, that's kind of the area where everyone congregates. Um, other than in the clock end, it's in the North Bank and everyone's singing. There's people on shoulders. It was someone's birthday. He had a badge on and the atmosphere, it just set the tone. It was completely different to any other home game this season, and it translated through. I don't know if, like, when you were in the pub, if you could hear it, um, if they had the commentary on and stuff, but the atmosphere was fucking insane. And, like, the angel, the way everyone got behind that, it just set the tone, and that atmosphere was absolutely raucous. Um, but, yeah, just unbelievable day. And, like, we'll get into the game, but before we do that, just shout out a few of the guys that are in. Got Uncle Mike's in. Morning, lads. Hope you're good, mate. Let's fog in, go. Uh, got the EFL Fantasy Podcast in, morning lads. So that's uh, Angus McPhail behind that. 
who I've been chatting to a lot over the last few days. So I'm sure he's tuned in because he wants to hear a Nima rant about the celebration police. Uh, <laughs> Bungles in. Clayton, you scoundrel. Above me in the FPL bloody bite size league. How'd that happen? Am I? I, um, I had an unbelievable week, to be fair. I got 98 points. Uh, and fucking Uncle Mike's in. His team got hacked. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, just a couple more comments. Uncle Mike never felt like they would score really bit edgy after halftime. And Bungle, the Tokyo Liverpool pub, is five minutes away from my gaff. Walked past early doors and saw very few sad lads in there. Love that. And then just before we get into more, uh, Delia's in. Hope you're good, mate. Oh, this is really early morning, lovelies. So without further ado, on to the game. So lineup comes out. Uh, you, I think that's what you predicted, right? Or did you go for the Havertz midfield? Yeah, I went Havertz midfield. I think if I'd known Jesus was an injury doubt, I would have probably gone with Havertz up top would rather you? than yeah. Eddie. Yeah, I felt like his performances against the kind of the top teams and the teams that press a lot, like when we played City in the community show at the start of the season, um, yeah. Havertz up there, I thought that was one of his better performances. So, yeah, we'll talk more about him individually, but um, I think this week more than any shows that these uh, apps with the kind of player ratings can be pretty yeah what i saw with my eyes was Havertz's best performance at the club yeah same it's you know it's such a good point because obviously we use this graphic just to kind of illustrate the lineup but fucking hell i didn't actually look at the ratings like that's embarrassing so for you context, know what it anyone... came to yeah so so yeah. They, the reason is 6.8 and obviously like for the podcast systems as you say but the, the reason it's like that is because of the sheer number of things he tried to do. So let's say yeah. if he only attempted one duel or one tackle or one pass and he happened to get it, he would have like an eight rating, even if he played for five minutes. But because he like, let's say, lost eight out of 16 duels, it, it kind affects of counts them as bad. But what it doesn't yeah. look at is that if you watch it with your eye, these weren't duels he was looking to win. These yeah. were duels where he was trying to wind up the opposition centre-backs and have them make a, a poor clearance yeah so he that was poor every... clearance then lands to our players that's kind of it's you're not always cause... trying to win the ball with the every jewel yeah isn't... i get it every header isn't well what, what was he going to do jump up head it down and then he's just to create and then you can't do anything. Uh, chaos right and i think it's funny because that's everything people praise nunez for and they're like oh like we hope nunez is fit because of the chaos he provides but it's like Havertz did the same thing and if not better right um and yeah just like going through the lineup when so i obviously predicted Jorginho would start and i still think he would have done it regardless of if jesus um was fit or not uh just <clears throat> i think that's now how you spoke about Havertz in big games i think this is our big game midfield um and the two of them Jorginho and rice they were absolutely phenomenal like i just because again we spoke about it in the preview right and i know you said sometimes like not sure about Jorginho and stuff and I just feel so assured in these games when he's there because of his ability to control everything and I think it brings out the best in Rice as well he can be that powerhouse like there are a couple of times where he was actually driving with the ball running through midfield and as well as doing his kind of robotic tackles that he does where he gets a fourth leg um yeah, unbelievable performance. I just thought, and this is like, I know we usually talk about like standout performers and stuff, but I just thought everyone was so good. I don't think anyone had a bad game. I think Saliba was a bit rough in patches, which we'll talk about. And even that, that's being harsh. Like, I think he had one uh, error, which obviously led to a goal. But 
other than that, I think everyone was just spot on. And it's what we said in the preview again, when teams come to play us, we are so good. We'll kill most teams. It's just unfortunate. I think people have forgotten how good we are because we're faced against a fucking bus every week, which I don't think I've ever seen other so teams. I think I saw so some data. Yeah, I saw some data someone said online that we on average face the deepest blocks in Europe. Yeah. Like of any team, like like there's no team that faces deeper blocks on average position on a pitch than us in the entire continent. Yeah. So it's when you uh... get a match like this, as you say, you get to actually play an opponent who comes to play ball. Now I've seen a lot of people saying Liverpool were very poor, but I think we made them poor. A hundred percent. I don't get this. I've seen the same thing. And like, yeah, it's like, like, oh yeah, support. like fair play to Arsenal, but you know Liverpool, it was their own demise. They were really poor. I'm like. There's a reason they were poor. They they just come from like pre-firing, like they've been scoring bucket loads for weeks. Like, you know, they're on the high of, you know, Klopp send off. And I'm sorry, but like they came into that match pretty confident. Yeah. And I, I really think that suited us. You know, I think the onus was kind of on them as favourites. And I really think that suited us because like I said, I think people have forgotten just how good we are. Um, and are you good if we move on to the match stats? And because I feel yeah, like we'll yeah, kind of cover... yeah, we want to we'll cover the players as we go. We'll cover the yeah. players as we go. But what made me want to bring this up is Liverpool were reduced to 0.41 expected goals. So for people on the podcast, the visual I've got on the screen right now is obviously what we use every week. It's from Mark our stats model, and there's a big discrepancy in XG on this model versus the others. But just for the sake of consistency, we always look use this one. So I thought I'd go with it, but. The stats, according to Mark, our stats model was Arsenal's XG 2.15 to 0.41. I have seen other models saying we had 3.51. So I think there's a lot of stuff around like Havertz's chance uh, and what was the other one? Martinelli's goal. Um, expected threat 1.4 to 0.92. Possession, they had 57.4. We had 42.6. Field tilt against one of the best teams in the best form teams in the world right now 60.8 to 39.2 and defensive action height even but i'm just going to do a bit jumping around here so they're the stats right and obviously xg we've seen 2.15 and 3.5 look at this one as well for people on the screen so uh the the visual is uh it's not the clearest to process but for the text that goes with it Liverpool registered a season low expected goals, expected threat and deep entries against Arsenal. Now, you cannot fucking tell me that that's just a team playing poorly. That's a team playing against one of the best organised sides in the world. And I stand back, like I've said this so consistently, we're one of the best teams in fucking world football. We really are. Um, and it's just a shame that because we're up against buses every week, we don't really get the chance to show it. But statistically, on the eye, everything, this was domination. Like, I was so gutted at half time because i felt so comfortable that whole first half i was gonna how ask you how feeling? that felt for you yeah because when that equalizer went in and the nature of the way it went in with the kind of own goal like i just i felt so frustrated because it felt like we could have scored more before that equalizer and i was worried that the timing of it might rejuvenate them to come out and they did come out they switched up tactics a bit i remember i was sitting with my friend and i said to him you know, like we're going to be waiting for them to make their subs. Obviously, I was surprised yeah. by the Kivior sub at halftime. And I think as Angus says, like I mentioned for Kivior as well, because yeah, yeah, it was injury related, but you know, he came on and it felt like he played it the, really well. the Tommy Yasu role very well. And um, yeah. 
Yeah, could have should have scored as well. He could have taken know, the, the touch. Way he popped up, up. See? The way he popped up in the box for that shot. Oh my god, I could I, I was in disbelief it was him there running in. But yeah, fair play to him. And I thought he did very well. But yeah, so apart from that, I kind of thought, okay, so something's changed here. What's gonna happen? And around 57th minute, when I saw Trent coming off, I was like, okay, some, something's a bit strange here. Yeah. I know he's not quite back at match fitness. Um, but I remember saying to my friend at that time, I said, okay, so in about I think I said to him, we're going to need to wait at least five to 10 minutes. And then we're going to like see what they do with these subs. And then we're going to reflect on it and change it up. So, yeah. And then literally like we got to the 67th minute, 70th minute. I was like, okay, let's see what Arteta's got. And I know we've over the year, he's been criticized a lot for his in-game management, but it felt like he did everything right from weathering the storm when we came out in the second half, despite their equalizer, all the way through to the subs he made at the times he made them. You know, like seeing Saka actually get subbed off when yeah. tired as a precaution rather than being taken off on a stretcher later. That was, I've never seen that before. Um, equally, Martinelli looked frustrated to go off after he'd scored this, you know, the, the goal to put us 2-1 up. But again, like, fantastic. What can you say? Trossard came on and did the job to wrap up the points. So yep. it just felt like one of those games where I was like, wow, like, my manager has matured here. Like he got every decision spot on, like from the starting 11 through to every in-game management moment, this was flawless. Like, yeah, I was like, wow. Like I haven't seen that very often. And to see that against Liverpool. Wow. Yeah. I, um, I, you know, my opinions on him, like I tend to be on my own quite a lot when I see criticism of him and like even in-game management, I personally don't think he's bad at that. Um, I think we get hung up on like one or two minute differences in subs and stuff. But I, I think tactically he is one of the best around. And like this game just felt like the showcase. And like, that's what I loved about this game. It was 4.30 on a Sunday on the telly. The whole fucking world was watching this. And this made me so, like I've spoken consistently, right, about being quietly confident about what we can do in the Champions League. These sort of games just add to my belief in what we can do there am i saying we can win it no oh, sorry yes i think we can win it am i saying we will win it probably not but i back us over two legs against most people anyway i'm getting sidetracked Let's, i was um... gonna say what this match did show me just on that point yeah. you made is that it felt like this was like a champions league performance and if we can yeah. play like this across two legs as you say in champions league matches in the knockouts We'll then I have teams, a lot man. of optimism. Yeah, yeah, I have a lot of optimism. We will absolutely dominate teams. But I yeah, would looking... love to get further. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about <laughs> Champions League when we get there. Obviously, Porto is not far away. So I'm sure that yeah. will start coming up in the podcast in the coming weeks. But for this game specifically, just one thing I do want to say is that it's crazy, man. Like, you know, all of the stuff I saw pre-kickoff was that, like, we have no chance and we're not going to do fuck all. Yep. Um, I even on my FPL podcast, I have, like, regular listeners who were telling me, like, oh, Nemo, you're going to find it so hard to sleep at night on Saturday knowing your season will be over come Sunday. And, like, I just smiled and didn't even comment or put the yeah. like, reply to them at the time because quietly in my heart, I felt confident, as you say. But what's wild, right, is that 90 minutes later, when we do the things that they say we can't do, then they tell us we can't celebrate either. Yeah, It's like, we're fucking gargantuan. We are on their mind. They are rattled. Like, Monday Night Football, finally, Carragher's come out and talked about how we basically got the best defence in the Premier League, if not the world, and that our expected goal difference is unreal. Um, like, we, we are top team. Now, whether we have enough um, firepower up front is, is the argument. Can we go the whole way? I don't know. 
City have come into form with everyone fit at the right time. They've just spawned ready to compete and get another treble. So I don't know about this year, but I've always said that for me, it's about winning the big title, the Premier League or the UCL in the next 18 months. Yep. So I, I, I have no worries that like Klopp is leaving. We will spend City's money. charges are coming. Yeah, City charges are coming. We will buy players in the summer. But it just, the, the sheer fact that we were in this scenario where you can't win. All the yeah. pregame narrative was we're going to get destroyed. And we've been getting gaslit by opposition fans into believing that we're in some top four battle with fucking Aston Villa and Tottenham. <laughs> and they keep telling me that we're not in a title challenge. I beg to differ. Like the points tallies and the expected goal difference clearly show that there are three clubs up here and then everyone else. Yeah. We and are even... not with the everyone else. And I will not be gaslit by people into that bullshit anymore. I've had I enough. Know. Like this came against Liverpool and the hatred they came out with and the narrative they tried to spin, only to then later get the, you know, the football analyst sent Carragher his notes telling him, like, oh yeah. Here's the stuff about what they did football-wise, so you can yeah, move off the celebration topic. I think that's the thing, though. Like, it's always been the case of like Arsenal are treated different, right? You see, like even Mika Richards said it like last year, and you know he's not been on Sky since he said I that. Know, right I know, I saw January that. January yeah. 2022. And George Graham's famous speech that was fucking donkey years ago. Like it's always been like that. And I think, do you know what the thing that pisses me off is when, like, I saw a lot of match going fans of other clubs slating us right and i'm not going to name names angus is in the chat he'll know exactly who i'm talking about here match going fans really fucking laying into us like stupid cunts that have absolutely like, they've said to us before like oh you're just like an allardyce version of bolton and stuff like that and i think who the fuck are you to tell us like especially let's just take me yeah i've spent my hard-earned money to go into that ground like football's a release for most people, right? I went fucking ballistic in that game. At one point, though, at no point in that game was I picturing us like winning the title or anything. Or like, I'll be honest, last April when we went, when we were at Anfield and we were winning, I started picturing us like lifting the trophy. I'll be completely honest. On Sunday, it was none of that. It was just enjoying the moment for what it that was. Day, we completely yeah. dicked one of the best informed teams in Europe. We played them mm -hmm. off the park. And it was just, it was just enjoy the moment. And then when I see fucking Spurs fans piping up, like our bus, Sheffield United at home, Basuma had his fucking cunting kid on the pitch. What's Third Premier about? League game of the season, wives like, and children were on the pitch. Um, Klopp pulled a hammy fucking celebrating running onto a pitch himself. They did like, a collective bow for a fucking 2-2 versus West Brom. The yeah, Premier they, League account put out a tweet with a three-minute video of Klopp's favourite celebrations. Is, my, before, like, my, it just drives me nuts. The Zerbi um, celebrates, Klopp celebrates. Every motherfucking manager in this league celebrates. But when it's us, it's a fucking entire talking point. Like, and this wild. is what, like, and again, to be honest, like, I could not give a fuck about the Liverpool thing against West Brom when he first joined. Because like, if anything, I kind of get it. Like, you're trying to build a rapport with the, your fans and stuff. Sheffield United are at home for Spurs. Obviously, I'm an Arsenal fan. I find it timpot. But if I'm being completely honest, do I care? No. I give a shit about the hypocrisy. And when it's every other team that don't get any criticism, but then when it's us, it's the biggest thing since... But like, have you heard like, why, by me? the way? Just, just if you're I, gone, if you're I can quickly finish, because you touched on it already. The biggest thing that wound me up is that was such a great tactical performance mm -hmm. and the analysis of it was non-existent after the game. And it's like, you and see we pay subscription for that. And that was the analysis. Bums, like Gary Neville, who got his fucking dick handed to him in his mouth when he went to Spain. Jamie Carragher, who's only known for fucking spitting at a little kid. Like, I just, it blows my mind. And this is the thing, like, I shouldn't let it get to me so much. But when 
we are as good as we are and we don't get the credit for it, it winds me up so much. But, they, anal- but they analyse a 4-1 defeat or whatever, 3-1 defeat of Spurs to Chelsea and the Athletic push notification on my phone said, were Spurs the real winner of this? Yeah, because it's... they played a high line with nine men, like and, it's yeah. unbelievable. Like, um, but but just you know, in terms of why apparently it's okay, this is wild as well. So, you know, like Carragher on Sky was saying that it's okay for Klopp because he celebrated at the last minute. What fucking minute did fucking Arteta celebrate? Then you fucking prick. Yeah, um, it's so, but, but it's he, so and it's not just that. Like, even friends of mine and other Liverpool fans, I've been saying that the reason it's okay when Klopp does it and not Arteta is that it feels more natural when Klopp celebrates and it feels forced when Arteta celebrates. You know, you know are you hearing the shit people are coming out it's, with? Th- we've got, I don't know if he's actually the youngest manager in the league, but he's 41 years old, right? And you've got a British media conglomerate full of British pundits that are watching a Spanish person come here and fucking walk the league. We've nullified two of the best teams in the world in Man City and Liverpool to nothing. In like in terms of the games we played against them, one shot watching, each on and target. they're watching they're, they're yeah. watching this young foreign manager come here and absolutely piss it. He's four years into management for fuck's sake. His Imagine what he's gonna job. Yeah, like I think it, for me it's so crystal clear. It's bitterness. It's jealousy, and unfortunately, it's something I just had to get it off my chest because it is gonna wind me up. But unfortunately, I think obviously, like they're all jealous of him. I think we know that, as Mike says. Um, just just one final. Uh, data point i want to pull in yeah. and then we'll keep going um so one of the things i'd seen is over the last four premier league matches before um the arsenal liverpool game liverpool had 45 shots on target um so I've just seen to put mike's it in perspective post, mike's put this in the chat as well where has it gone so go on finish off your point so yeah mike oh yeah the same so, thing. Oh, so he's got the same thing yeah so they've had 45 shots on target in their last four games like this is the and then as mike goes on to say we restricted them to one yeah, it's mental. And I think we said this in the preview where when we talked about the um, the last game we played against them, I think the, the game at Anfield, they had something like, they were generally in the last 12 games at Anfield, they were getting somewhere between 20 to 30 shots a game. Yeah. And against us, they had 12 or 13 at Anfield. I'm sure I read they're unbeaten in 16 as well or something like that. It, yeah, no, actually... this was a team that haven't lost, like, they were about to go on a 17 yeah, unbeaten game. the team in Europe. Like I've, I, it's not getting spoken about enough what we've done here, um, but yeah, like just in terms of general game, should we go through the kind of major match events and yeah, of course, yeah. How, like the kind of narratives we were feeling at the time because this is one that I I really want to try and get across as best I can, like what the feelings were like in the ground for each moment mm. because I swear to God, like this season, it, nothing else has come close. This. For me, was a lo- this was like a lot of last season, but this year, the, as I've spoken about on this pod, the atmosphere has not been as good. But Sunday was top quality, man. So the first fifteen minutes, just just before we we go one nil up, how are you feeling in terms of like how we've come out, how we're starting to play and stuff? Do you thought do you think it was a good start? Yeah, no, I immediately felt like we were ready and on it. Um, it, it just felt really nice. It felt, it felt like both Saka and Martinelli were ready to go. Like they were both just waiting and i think the first kind of the sack was it the sacker header yeah oh my god that but when we didn't get there that that one i was like that's when i was like okay we're creating early (laughs) i know i we said like no standout performers and i I still stand by that but someone who may go under the radar i actually and someone i've been critical of i actually think david raya was spot on in this game man because that chance 
I believe it came from him collecting the ball, aggressively throwing out to Martinelli. Martinelli absolutely bombing it down the wing. Unbelievable. That was the one, yeah. That was. If we're being honest, I think Saka should have done better, but who cares? Because if that had gone in, people would then be, you know, people always say they don't see much more from Raya than Ramsdale, and I think this game, the way he was claiming the balls and um, and and the way he was starting the attack, like like obviously that one didn't quite work out, but it was close. Like, and I think we're seeing that Raya can find Martinelli. He can find him fast. Yeah. And he's finding him in space. And it's like, we had no right creating a chance like that, that quickly against a Liverpool yeah. team. I think this, that's, a, that's a really good point as well, you know, in terms of, <clears throat> like, because it was such a fast start, I really think that galvanised the crowd as well, because, <clears throat> like, De- Delia says it here, right? Uh, if I can find it. I missed seeing Arsenal playing aggressively. It was such a fucking beautiful match to watch and not celebrations. Police will stop me feeling enjoying it. Just more on the first point there. We all miss seeing Arsenal playing aggressively, but it's because no teams allow us to play that way. So I think, like like we said already, because there's a team that gives us the space to play how we want to, this is how we want to play. It's just unfortunate we're not able to, but I think that really plays a part in it as well because I was sat there in the ground and you get this adrenaline. Like I was going mental. My throat at the end of the day on Sunday was fucked. Like I couldn't speak. Like that's the, my My legs were shaking with the adrenaline. So... I really think that played a part in setting the tone. And the Liverpool away end, by the way, absolutely embarrassing. I feel like that's not really been said. Like, and again, I don't know if it would have come across on the telly. That was a shocking away end. It's really bad. But yeah, I think the way we came out just set the tone. It was front-footed. It was aggressive. The positional play was genius. And then even the move for Saka's goal, like I'm sure everyone's seen the clips, right? It was unbelievable the way it started say, like, that's something they you know you would think that talking about that build-up and the way the defensive shape built up in the formation and the way gabriel pinged that ball to zinchenko on the left wing who then pinged it somehow in as well zinchenko looked like he was going to lose the ball a few times and every time he found someone like yeah. the way they were like it, I, I noticed it as well like we were trying to draw them towards our goal is that we were trying to invite the press and then that would leave space for us to then suddenly go at them. And it yeah. felt like we were really successful at it. Like, I, I felt like, wow, like these boys have matured into men. Like, they're no longer kids, a lot of them. Like, they are young, as you say, but they're very experienced young players. Yeah. Very experienced. I think um, it was just, that move for me was just genius because it was like, I saw a tweet where I like jokingly said, it was like quite a tactical tweet. And as everyone knows, I'll get fucking horny over that shit. But <laughs> it was like, just the way we built up, it was like a 4v2, like Raya playing a key part in that. And then it was just the way we manipulated an overload as we moved into the middle phase. Odegaard dropping into the central area where he did to give Van Dijk a, a headache. And then it was immediate. M- Martinelli was high and wide. So Canate's on him. Trent was tucked in trying to prevent a passing lane. And then the gap just opened up for Havertz. And it was tactically unbelievable the way we just went from one shape when Raya had the ball to another shape when it progressed into the middle of the pitch. And then Havertz is in. And one question for you. When Havertz was running in, did you ever think he was going to score? Because I didn't. <laughs> Not after the first touch. Um, it was a bad touch, I thought. And I think that touch showed how hard it can be to score when you take a touch like that and let Alisson yeah. prepare himself. Obviously, like the speed at which we arrive with runners coming in and Saka there. I think this this is the crazy thing. All the stuff I love from Havertz, this game, you know, all the hold up, all the chaos. 
it was like a weird combination of um, Gabriel Jesus and Ivan Tony, but like without the finishing. Uh... It's like he had like the chaos of a Jesus, yeah. but then like the hold up play and strength of a Tony. So like it made me think I want someone like an Ivan Tony even less because then I was like, wait a second. We kind of already have a lot of those qualities or attributes I still between think we Havertz need and Jesus. Better on the ball, if I'm like, no, no, I, no, we I want someone like, better, but but yeah. I, mean, I don't want Tony anymore. That's where yeah, I right, come okay, to yeah, with that. Yeah. Having watched Havertz do that, I now think he can do that against the tough teams. If anything, it just makes forwards. me more excited for if we get the profile of centre forward correct. I think we're laughing, man. The way this team is structurally set up and tactically what we've got to be able to unlock different game states. And I think we'll get there with the deep block problem as well. I really do. But like, if we nail that profile or centre forward, I think we'll dominate for a few years. I really do. And I do but think yeah, we so... will go big for that in January. I do yeah. think for what it's worth uh, that we will. You mean in the summer? So, 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 summer, yeah. I don't know what <laughs> yeah. He says on the 6th of Feb. <laughs> on the 6th of like January 2025. Bloody hell. But yeah, morning. so anyway, Havertz is in. Saka yeah, scores. So Emirates goes absolutely bonkers i'm punching the guy next to me and yeah it's so good and then after that again like so you can see it on the on the board on the graphic here like liverpool they were just flatlined up until their goal like they didn't create anything and i think there was a little bit of us where we yeah we did lay off it a little bit but it just felt so controlled and i think that's the thing like i um so obviously i'd had a few beers right and um I was like, I really need a piss. And it was getting close to halftime, but I've just got this thing where I was like, no, nah, I don't want to miss anything. And I really wish, I really fucking wish I went for a piss because um, the ball's trickling back. And then, in my opinion, I think Saliba has to clear that. I think that's poor defending, in my opinion. Um, I think yeah, it was a bit of a Saliba. weird one, wasn't it? Because there was a long distance between him and Raya. And I know there's talk of maybe Raya should have come out and claimed it. Maybe they didn't communicate with each other or... You know, I, I don't know if he told him to take it or he said, I've got it or I don't. But um, overall, I was like, if I was Saliba, I know it's easy to say, but like, I don't know if I'd be looking to like hold off the opponent and run towards my goal when there was like just the opportunity to just hoof it. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it was like on his wrong foot or something or what. Maybe he heard a call from Raya saying, hey, like, I've got it. Like, just get it to me. I, don't know I just think when it's up. that close, when it's that close to half time, and the distance, in my opinion, was not big enough. Uh, sorry, was not small enough to justify shepherding it like that. I think just mm. clear it, but it's right. It didn't turn out to be a big thing, right? Um, one thing I would just want to uh, point out on the graphic. So before one all, there's a big shoot in the graph of XG, like in between the 30th minute and half time. Can you remember what? Because we had a few chances in this game, and I'm trying to recall what that one would have been. I'm just having a think. Um, so yeah. it's alright. It's not that important, but yeah, there is. Yeah, I see what you mean. It's what the, the, this one here. The um, what minute is it? It's the uh, just in up. between thirty and the goal. Yeah, in between thirty and the goal. There's yeah, like there's a like a big shooter. jump. In yeah, and it's not the goal either. So um, yeah, I can't remember what that was, but yeah, either way, it was um, it was a it was a mistake from Saliba, but like shit happens. He's twenty two, right? It's not like he does it every game, so. Yeah, but more, again, to illustrate the feeling in the ground, fuck me, man, that goal went in and it just felt like, you know when you got a balloon and there's just like a little pop in it, just felt like all of the enthusiasm just seeped out of everyone. And in my opinion, it reflected in the team when they came out because I thought after half time we started quite poorly. I don't know what you thought. 
I thought we did start quite poorly. Um, I don't know if it, we were adjusting to them tweaking something and also like obviously Kivio coming in and maybe us also changing the system slightly. True. Um, Yeah, it, it did feel like that period. I said <clears> it was about maybe even a 15, 20 minute period where I felt very uncomfortable. Until yeah. we got the second goal, I felt very on edge. Like it just, I don't think they were creating like Shots no, obviously based like on the shots, but it just felt like they were playing in our half. And yeah, I remember turning to my friend and saying, These guys are really good. Don't underestimate how few people can even play football in our third or our half, like for a sustained period of you in minutes, let alone for yeah. a chunk of a game. Like, you know, we saw against that forest game, right? Like half time, it was like 300 final third touches versus eight or something. Yeah, yeah. It was like, like I was like, there's not very few teams who can do that. In terms One of thing what that could have been. So I was going to say, I've got an idea of, I had a look at the match report and um, there, there was a couple of moments. So there was a, do you remember Gabriel took a shot with his feet from the edge of the box? Surely it wasn't that. So there was that, but then there was also, um, Declan Rice also took a shot from quite far out. Um, so I don't Uncle know if it was one of those chat, two. Saka missed header with a question mark. But, but I think that would have been I before, like that the before the goal. Yeah. Unless I'm imagining, right. I think that was I think that was a nil nil. Unless I'm imagining it, but that's maybe what I thought. Right. But maybe it is. Who knows? But um, either way, it's uh, yeah. I was just curious. It's not a big deal. But um, in terms of like what you say about yeah, obviously Liverpool were kind of in control, playing in our territory, and then it was only until the second goal you felt comfortable. I actually felt a little bit more assured before that. I just thought Jorginho and Declan Rice were brilliant at kind of wrestling back control, and then. I, it was around, you know, when Liverpool made their triple sub, I thought it was around then that I started to feel comfortable that we were getting back in it. I didn't think we were going to score per se, but I could feel that territory and that control slowly shifting back to us. And then when they made that triple sub, I thought that's when we reacted really well to that. And that's what Arteta's brilliant at. Like a team will proactively try to do something and he'll spot it and he'll react so pretty much straight away. And then we went and scored pretty much 10 minutes after that, right? And yeah, obviously it was a like, hoof ball from Gabriel. Uh, Martinelli was actually down the middle. And then Van Dyke and Allison. Van Dyke with his like nonchalant defending. Allison kicks Van Dyke's nice chunky die. And uh, Gabriel Martinelli just has an empty net slot in. And yeah, Emirates I couldn't believe wild. that as well. Like, I've seen like um, all kinds of talk about that goal. Um, when you watch it back, it, it does look like kind of Martinelli and Van Dijk are going shoulder to shoulder and there's a little bit of a push from Martinelli, just enough so that it's a fair duel. Yeah. And then I, I do wonder if that's what ultimately pushes Van Dijk into Alisson, who's trying to get to the ball and yeah. the ball just lands neatly in front of Martinelli with an open net in front of him. And, but one thing I saw, and I, I, I think it's a bit unfair on Van Dijk, but I just want to claim it because Go on. there was this talk of like, and, and, and you see him watching the replay after as well on the big screen in the stadium. But, um, there's been some people who I think he's one of the greatest defenders ever of Premier League history, but there's some people who believe he's like a highlights goal um, defender oh, no, and that he worries that. about, as in that he worries about what he looks like. So when oh, he's right. like making a mistake, he'll like not go in for like a full duel and so back off or leave it. it. So he doesn't look like he like made a challenge that didn't make it, like didn't get the ball. And then nah, these talks I'd, of like I'm how we bored with that. You're, you're not on board uh, with that conspiracy. Nah. Okay. What about the other conspiracy from some Liverpool fans, which is they're saying that it was a foul from Martinelli on Van oh, Dyke. If you watch it, Van Dyke literally pushed it. Van Dyke pushed it. Uh, sorry, it, was, then it, it wasn't even yeah. a push. It was just shoulder to shoulder. That's what I mean. So from what I saw, Van Dyke 
was the one who nudged Martinelli. And Martinelli ended up being much stronger than he expected. Yeah. And he kind of bounced back off him. So exactly. like Van Dijk ran into him and just bounced off. Yeah. Like, that's what I saw. Yeah, but yeah to, to call that a foul is wild. But yeah, it was very fortunate. But I think we created our own luck there. Like, there was clearly like, a plan like to make them be uncomfortable, right? In yeah, these situations. The we thing. didn't I've give seen... up. Martinelli could have just stopped chasing the ball. You know, like... Do you know what pisses me off? Like I've seen some people saying, like, oh, Arsenal were fortunate to go 2-1 up. But Liverpool not fucking fortunate to equalise. Like, yeah, they like, had no shot on target in the first half. And they end up going in at 1-1. Like, I'm like, uh, you can see I'm visibly speechless. Like, <laughs> it makes no sense. Um, anyway, obviously, we, we got to wrap up in five minutes. So let's just go through the, the final bit. So 67th minute with 2-1 up. He then makes a double sub. Uh, sorry, it wasn't a double sub. Trossard comes on for Martinelli. And five minutes later, Nelson comes on for Saka. Uh, they made a sub which was Thiago on for Gomez. And just after that, Nate gets a second yellow. Lovely bit of work from Havertz, who I thought, he, yeah, brilliant performance. I think on the ball still have questions, but in terms of his physical, the way he physically imposed himself on that game, created them problems. They didn't know what to do with him. I thought he was brilliant. Red card happens. And then the we're, we're playing around. It's the 92nd minute. Ball goes out to... Kivio, I think he plays it into Trossard. Trossard dinks it around to Elliot, I believe it was. And then, fuck me, I didn't realize Trossard's that fast, you know. <laughs> the way that at the halfway line, Trossard just sent them both for hot dogs. And then every touch was the right touch. Like, I remember yeah. watching it back and I was like, the way he got himself into that place. And again, you could argue it was very similar to the Jesus goal in the game before. Like through the keeper's uh, legs, yeah. kind of. Obviously, and, and I think Van Dyke as well. There was a small deflection off him as well, which is obviously frustrating for him. But um, I think they were just gassed and like mentally knackered by what Havertz had been doing to them by this stage, just causing ruckus. Um, honestly, like that goal, it just finally, that's when I finally felt like it's safe. I know I probably should have felt it earlier, but at 2 1, it felt still like anything could happen because they can yeah. turn it on, right? Like, you know, when they came out in the second half, as you say. I think they had like the, the three shots they had were all in like three minutes. Yeah. Like Curtis Jones, Gagpo. Like I remember the Jones one. Yeah. And all of them were from like outside the box. And I remember turning to my friend McAllister had one as well. And I said to him, all their shots are basically McAllister booting it from outside the box. I was like, yeah, if we can reduce them to that, I'll, I'll take that Chill. all day, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take that all day. 100%. So yeah, I think phenomenal work from them. Um, but yeah, any, any final bits you want to pull up from the comments in the live chat before uh, we go or any, anything just... there that we to be honest, on. we've covered quite like there's loads in the chat today. So like everyone, thanks a lot for joining in. Sorry, we're yeah, unfortunately we're both working today, so we're a bit pushed for time with meetings and stuff. But um, obviously we had like Bobby, uh, Bobby's in. He went for fuck's sake. You went live early. Delia was in. Uh, we've Bungle, got Adam Mike, is here as Adam, well. Three five two. Yeah, Ooh. good. Oh, sorry, I think we clicked the wrong same thing at the wrong time. Um, Adam's comment, yeah, completely agree with what we said about celebration police and Carragher's lesson on di uh, comment on discipline. Jamie Carragher literally spits on kids, so I'm not sure if I can't fathom what would drive someone to do that in the world. Um, and Angus's comment before we go, just um, he, he is right, and I think this is the funniest part that Liverpool fans are claiming the foul when Van yeah, Dyke himself Dijk, in the interview yeah. said, No, nah, like he literally dismissed literally. it. <laughs> and like, one, one thing I just want to end on was like. I feel like we did obviously cut this short, right? So there was probably a lot we could have done more. So like, sorry about that. But 
just the atmosphere at that end as well. Like, I can't tell you what a privilege it was to be there for that. It was so joyous. And I think, like I said at the start, right, for, for a lot of people, football was an escape. And I think to be such a miserable fuck that you have to try and tell people what they should and shouldn't be happy about when you're when they're spending their hard-earned money to go there it just blows my mind and honestly that atmosphere was absolutely incredible and one thing I just want to say I'm so glad we've got a culture at this football club where we've made a club photographer who's a lifelong Arsenal fan feel like a fucking superstar and like that is you spoke about organicness earlier right Mm. people saying bullshit like that that is organic like that from Odegaard is organic. The, him get, doing a team talk in all or nothing, that's organic. I love that we've got a culture here at Arsenal Football Club like that. And I think, again, it's all jealousy. People wish they were us. You look at Man United, you look at Chelsea, like all of the issues they've got. Well, that was us a few years ago. And look where we are now. So I'm just fucking glad we've got to this point where we are. And honestly, I've said this for so many episodes. I'm so confident in the next few years. Like I really think we're going to be the team that dominates domestically and across the continent. I really do. I, d- I don't think people have woken up to what we're capable of. I feel I like really it's just don't. the beginning of the journey. Like They all talk about he's been doing it for five years. He won a COVID cup. The reality is, and I'm sure many of the listeners would agree, this project began two years ago. Everything before that was clearing out like the most yep. fucking wild <clears throat> shit show of a club that you could arrive at. Um, yeah. The fact that we've taken our a salary, I think it is, to revenue ratio from like 75% or more down to 52%. And that's like by far the lowest of any of the big six clubs. While renewing and extending contracts for everyone we want, that isn't being spoken about enough. Yeah. Like, this is how you run a football club. I'm sorry for anyone who thinks otherwise, but every club right now that is in their own rebuilds, like a Chelsea or United, they are trying to use us as a blueprint. I really like your um comment about this job kind of start this project started two years ago because I, I i look at it similarly i think sure it's been four years but it's been four years of building and laying the groundwork so like we've built the mansion now get the fucking chandeliers in now like that's exactly and again i don't know why people put these real short-term parameters around things they're like oh he's been there four years like he's got to win something now why is it people are unable to think in the future and be like okay we're going to look back and think over the course of 10 years what did he achieve and if you ask me right now if, my, if Mikhail Arteta is in charge and everything works in tangent with Edu and the board as it is now, what can he achieve in 10 years? You guys know me well enough to know what I'm thinking now. I'm not going to put it on record, but you know what I'm thinking. So I don't know why these parameters become short, Yeah, it's like any, these any arbitrary for, parameters. Yeah. Any, more, any more from you before we head out? No, no, I think um, we'll, we'll be back to talk more, I'm sure, um, about the next game soon. So we'll continue yeah, we'll then. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know we've both got to do a bit of a rush off today, but thank you everyone who joined in live. It was a real pleasure to see you all. Um, obviously, as always, if you do hit that like button, it really helps us as a channel. Um, yeah, subscribe if you're new around here to get notifications. Yeah, the road to live. 300 begins. Yeah, no, we hit the 200 milestone just before yeah. the new year. Thanks to all of you. So hopefully 300 next onwards and upwards and few big wins for Arsenal to come. Um, West Ham away next and we'll be back to preview that soon. Yeah, nice one. We'll see you on Friday. Thanks a lot, everyone. Appreciate it. Up the Arsenal. Fuck the celebration, please.